0: This is the Picard Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're back with Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 1, The Next Generation.
1: Please stand by for decontamination cycle.
0: Adrenaline rush. From fear or the thought of seeing Beverly? Both. Terrific. Your hands are stiff. My knees are killing me. So long as we don't have to move or shoot, we should be fine.
1: Decontamination cycle complete.
2: Ready? As ever.
0: trekkies and trekkers to our discussion about star trek picard season three the final season of star trek picard we're talking about episode one of the next generation and i am one of your hosts derek
1: hello there fellow trekkies welcome back i am one of your other hosts john
2: and rounding out this group of uh basically aliens forming a global universal federation i am chris
0: Welcome back, guys. Good to be here for uh, the final season of Star Trek Picard.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Finishing It's out finally the story. ending. Finally. Well, no, <laughs> it's the end of Star Trek Forever. That's a bit killing harsh, it. Chris. They're killing all of Star Trek Forever.
0: <laughs> no, they're not. Fin- finishing off the three-season arc of Star Trek Picard. Now, we have said before, um, we have felt that the show didn't live up to the potential that it had, bringing, uh, bringing back uh Jean-Luc Picard bringing back um of course Patrick Stewart in the role um that they kind of have danced around the big story that is available to them and this season is going to feature a lot of the members of the next generation cast for the first time as we, as we see in the show we're we're going to obviously go to spoilerful detail about the episode uh, as we go through of course uh, so make sure you've watched that before we uh, continue uh, or before you continue listening to the podcast but um I do feel like this season is going to live up that potential that was set out at the beginning of the show. That's what it feels like. It feels like they've taken that detour away from just telling a story about an older Jean-Luc Picard to actually tell a story following up on the old adventures of Captain Jean-Luc Picard.
2: Yeah. So I'll be... Brutally honest opening up and like we, I was pretty harsh and rightly so on what happened on season two in terms of how I started to feel towards the end of the season. Um, and harsh, probably even harsh is even too harsh of a word. <laughs> I, I gave a lot of constructive criticism. Mm. I was yeah. never mean, just a lot of constructive. And I think we, we all kind of varied towards yeah. areas of that over the course of season two. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think it's because we had a lot of, hope and dreams and kind of expectations of where they could go and how they may do things. And there was some promise of that in season one. Mm-hmm. Very much. There was like, there's a sprinkling, here's a like potentially a larger story, blah blah blah. Season two just veered dramatically to the left. Yeah. Completely in terms of even story. Um and I think while we had got to know a lot of characters over those two seasons this is giving us something different that we probably wanted from the beginning, which is, as you say, what did happen with Riker in the 20 years? Mm-hmm. Where's Crusher? Where's, where's Worf? Mm-hmm. Where's Jordan LaFord? Like, give us those stories. Give us that the the memoirs. And he jokes about it. Spoiler. He jokes about writing a memoir. Mm-hmm. This is the preface to his memoirs. This is the story before it all finishes and he writes it down. Yeah,
0: yeah. You, you would assume so. And again, I don't want to rehash too much about uh, what we uh, talked about on the podcast. If you want to hear our thoughts on each of the episodes, you can pop on over to com. There is a feed there for the Star Trek Picard uh, podcast where we have all of our thoughts there. But I know one of the big things in season two was because it was filmed during COVID period and we had some older people on the cast, including, of course, Patrick Stewart, um, that they were being very cautious about filming and that really really seeped into the performances and the show itself so um so we did give it a little bit of a pass last season because of that Uh, and I'm hoping with everybody on board in the filming that was done for this show that they're able to really put their stamp on it because Star Trek Next Generation was never about one character it was an ensemble cast it's great to have Patrick Stewart back but it's also going to be good to catch up with all oh, the rest of the crew. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, I think so. But of course, we want to hear your thoughts about the show. Uh, please email us with any of your thoughts uh, to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. And that email address is also going to be used for our third pub quiz for Star Trek Picard Season 3, we have our 10 forward pub quiz where we'll be giving out one question each episode of Star Trek Picard and you'll be able to get your hands on some Star Trek Picard goodies. If you answer all those questions correctly, uh, we'll be putting you into a hat and one of our wonderful fellow Trekkies and Trekkers will win uh, some Star Trek Picard goodies. Absolutely. So the first question will be coming up later on in the episode.
1: Yes, let us get into our spoiler-filled discussion of Episode 1 of Season 3, The
0: Next Generation. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, of course, Star Trek Picard is based on characters created by Gene Roddenberry. and uh, The showrunner for the show is Terry Metalis. Uh, the story for this episode was written by Akiva Goldsman and Terry Metalis, And the episode was directed by Doug Arniakoski. Uh, Doug Arniakoski has been involved in the show since, uh, since the beginning of uh, Season 1. Episode 7 of Season 1 was directed by him and the first two episodes of Season 2 as well. So back again for the first episode and the second episode of Season 3. Good stuff. So, John, do you want to set the table for us? you want to give us your synopsis for Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Episode 1, The Next Generation.
1: Sure. Preparing to leave Chateau Picard and head off with Laris to the Romulan planet Shaltok 4, Jean-Luc Picard receives an urgent and cryptic distress call from former crewmate Dr. Beverly Crusher, who is being hunted and under attack aboard her ship, the Elios. Admiral Jean-Luc Picard meets up with Will Riker and enlists his help to find Beverly, who is hiding in the Wrighton system outside of Federation space. Pretending to undertake an inspection of the USS Titan, Will's former command ship in preparation for Frontier Day, they are welcomed aboard by a friendly face, Commander Onika Hansen, a.k.a. Seven of Nine. The welcome from Captain Shaw is decidedly less warm, as they discuss the inspection plan over dinner. He denies the new plan proposed by Jean-Luc and Will, that, unknown to Shaw, would have taken the starship towards the Wrighton system, where Jean-Luc and Will plan to obtain a shuttle to search for the Elios. But the perceptive Seven of Nine is wise to them, and goes behind her captain's back to deliver them to the Ryton system. Elsewhere, Raffi is deep undercover as a Starfleet intelligence officer on the planet of Metallus Prime, investigating the disappearance of a highly classified experimental weapon from Destrom Laboratories. Convinced of an imminent attack using the stolen weapon by her mysterious handler, Raffi follows a lead from her dealer about the Red Lady that comes too late to prevent the attack. Having managed to commandeer a shuttle from the Titan, Will and Jean-Luc locate and board the Elios, where they find evidence of a battle and the injured Beverly in a stasis chamber. They are not alone, however, meeting Beverly's son, just as another ship falls out of warp to attack the Elios.
0: Excellent. And if you're joining us for the first time for our Star Trek Picard podcast, uh, we covered by talking about our three major points from the episode we start off with our little point which is usually a line that we enjoyed from the episode a medium point our omega directive which is a scene that we enjoyed from the episode and our prime directive our main point from the episode uh, that we want to talk about so we're going to start off with our small moment from the episode make it so number one so john what's your small moment from the episode a moment that you enjoyed Well, I
1: think it is Will and Jean-Luc making it so, but uh, being utterly humiliated aboard the USS Titan Mm -hmm. with very cramped living uh, conditions, as they are bunk buddies for their trip uh, on this subterfuge and... unplanned inspection of the titan i guess you know we're covering the last of us at the moment where mm-hmm. there's talk about people's age and uh, their knees and being able to get up the stairs uh, from from joel uh, but I, I just like here that riker being on the top bunk um but realizing that his weaker bladder as he's gotten older it uh, means um <laughs> He just, you know, he didn't realize he was going to be up and down at off the top bunk uh, quite as often uh, as he
0: had been whilst,
1: yes. <laughs> whilst uh, staying on board yeah. the Titan. Fun so little moment. Yeah. It was a good yeah. little
0: moment. I, I had to say, I got little, uh, little flashbacks to, uh, to Star Trek Lower Decks, the animated series where every yeah. everybody sleeps in bunks. Exactly. Uh, in show, uh, so which, it was just
1: a nice yeah. little moment. I think <laughs> with the two of them, I like. I really love these two mm. characters and and the the actors, and you you just get the sense of that camaraderie, uh, e- even where jean Luke is on the you know the the deck of the Titan, uh-huh. and he he says to seven of nine uh don't you need to inform uh engineering that we're going to warp nine and it's like no it's all being automated and he goes okay. that'll make you, uh, excellent thank you know you'll be you'll be captain of your own ship soon enough and it's like riker's good save there exactly like, shut up riker <laughs> oh, that just kind of yeah. those little to and fro's between these two characters is just a delight for me and i, I just like that little scene in 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 their quarters yeah. uh
0: as bunk buddies Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I have uh, one of my scenes that I really liked as well as also uh, from Picard and Riker because, you know, obviously they are central to this episode, but I, I like the moment just before they arrive on the Elias to find uh, Dr. Crusher and Picard stands up, his hand hurting, and goes, "Oh, that's the adrenaline rush." <laughs> and, <laughs> and Riker going, "Oh, my knees are really sore." So as long as we don't have to shoot or run, we'll be fine in the situation. <laughs> Which I just really like that they've brought this in because, of course, they are much older in these roles uh, than they would have been doing these kind of adventures in the past. So, uh, so that's my small moment for the episode. What about yourself, Chris?
2: Uh, personally, uh, it's not even a moment from the episode per se. It is the actual the the world and the visuals. Yeah. Of Picard. Because just the long shot we get as they, they, in their own shuttle, go towards the space station. Mm-hmm. And just seeing this rotating space station in minute details. Yeah. yeah. Looks fine. just yeah. huge. Yeah. um, Take, for example, then the world Wafi's on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With like seeing the more shady underbelly, and they've got so much, so much kind of, like, just spattered into the details in the background.
0: Yeah, yeah. Metallus Prime, the planet that she's on, of course, named after Terry Metallus, the showrunner of the show, I would presume. Oh, It's, there a, you it's go. only one letter difference, so I'm presuming that's, that he's finally got to name a planet after himself. Yeah. as Exactly. As, as you would, of course, if you were a showrunner for a Star Trek show. Huh?
2: Yes. <laughs> uh, and then the final one is the city the the city at the end where Rafi is trying to contact like you see the, the nice population kind of comparison to the Talus, mm-hmm. and again it's just the details they have there of there's a few trees and very if you pause it there's a few people walking around mm-hmm. in the park and like so much minute details in comparison to say like say the last season where we didn't get as many establishing shots if you want to call them that or yeah. just it was more, here's L.A. in 2022. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we know what that looks like. This is just more... <laughs> yeah. I, I I enjoy it because it is kind of... That is the thing about Star Trek. It is, it is a sci-fi show. So this, yeah. this science fiction-based view of what some of these worlds look like, these places look like, and they're like... They're green, and there's no climate change, Mm -hmm. and the ozone's still there, and it's not destroyed, and there's a nice little ship flying through the air. Things like that. I just really enjoy watching these very kind of small moments.
1: Absolutely. I think it's like you said, I'm really pleased that this story, at least so far, I'm not expecting there's going to be any time travel, is set in their time it matters to their time now yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm really glad they've decided not to do a timey whiny element here for for, for this, this season you know
0: yeah, yeah. um so also, like it anyway yeah uh, although um i would suspect that we will have uh enemy coming from the past uh as the yes. show is going to be all about uh rekindling their their history together so i'm presuming that but uh, i'm guessing uh, it's not time travel it's no. their past no. so <laughs> it is you know in living memory exactly
1: exactly and and of course really old william chan <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i was just thinking as well my planet would probably be called jay on it would be yeah
0: yeah isn't isn't that martian Manhunter from the dc universe isn't his name john john yeah yeah, yeah. john jones there you go there you there go, go. <laughs> anyway that's uh definitely another one but uh but yeah i do like the visuals for this show it does look absolutely beautiful and of course um but the destruction that is wrought on the uh, on the final planet at the end of the episode uh, does uh, stand out so much more when you see how much detail is put into it uh, in the establishing shots yeah. of it as well. Really cool. Let's move on to our medium point for the episode, our Omega Directive. Implement the Omega Directive immediately. So, John, what's your Omega Directive? What's your medium moment from the episode? Um, It's the scene. It's
1: dinner with Shaw. Oh, yes. Dinner with Captain Shaw and uh, this is just fantastic i really really enjoy it when they write into episodes um just people who are not blown away by the reputation of um you know anyone mm-hmm. uh, in this case picard and, and riker where, and i you know it's just so frosty it's just so procedural um even just you know as they walk in for dinner um he's eating already and Jean-Luc says, you know, oh, apologies, are we late? He goes, no, your reputation preceded you so far into the room. I started early. <laughs> and he does like, oh, no, you just sense that it's, like, not going to go off to uh, get off to a good start. Yeah. even."
0: And just to face on Jonathan Frakes as well, as Will Riker, uh, he knows this is going to be a very difficult meeting. Well, well, <laughs> well that that's part,
1: that it. Happens. I mean, it, it's even, you know, at towards the end, sure, like, you know, I love you guys, I really do. But we're not doing this change in the inspection. Um, you know, as far as he's concerned, you won't find any dust on his ship. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's done everything. But I, I just love the whole setup where you know I've purged that bebop from the system when I took oh. over. <laughs> I need structure. I'm not a fan of jazz, uh-huh. although I, I give him points for that one. I agree. Um, and even with the the gift from. Picard, a bottle of chateau Picard. Um he goes, I'm more of a Malbec man myself, but thanks. Um mm. just I just thought this was superb. Absolutely. It gets a little bit fruity, I guess, towards the end, <laughs> with um you know the fact that he, you know, towards Seven of Nine, he says, you know, your loyalty is to this ship, Commander mm-hmm. Hansen. Uh, not to former friends or ex-borg, which elicits uh, Riker effectively to do a bit of a you know stand-down uh, mm. moment with him, uh, kind of a pointed remark to both his own commander but also to Jean-Luc. Yeah. So uh, I yeah I just I just thought this was a great setup. I mean it's kind of that similarity with season two with having Q there who mm. really. You know, just likes to rile up uh, jean luc the wrong way. Yes, um, and attackers. you get yeah. that very much from Shaw here. Yeah. So I just absolutely thought this scene was sort of chef's kiss for this dinner table (laughs) Uh, so yeah
0: really really enjoyed it really good really great to see uh Todd Stashwick back here uh on on the show like this is the first time in in Star Trek Picard of course but he's just got such a varied career he's been around for done like hundreds of episodes of tv right back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer I know we talked about him when he was on Gotham uh -hmm. playing Richard Sionis uh The Mask and I think season one of Gotham so all that long long way ago so uh so great to see him here he's just such a great character actor to bring on board and he just the stain that he has for these people that would actually board his ship and tell him what to do you know that moment where he's saying to uh to Picard um that he's not going to listen to him and, and Picard goes well I'm an admiral and he goes retired and uh and Riker says I'm a captain and he goes with no chair this is my ship I've had it for five years and i i I'm answering to other people who have uh bigger pay grades than any of us in this room love it absolutely brilliant uh little moment from uh from Shaw in here um any any thoughts on, on the dinner with Shaw Chris
2: I I just I love Todd Starstrick, so when I saw him, I was just so happy. Mm -hmm. Um, He's also a big uh, tabletop role player, Mm. um, so does a lot of D anD D as well. Right, Um, so absolutely fantastic. Um, The. I was actually drinking water and did a spit take on the, uh, <laughs> it sounds terrible, but it, I did. I might as well tell you guys. Yeah. Tell the audience. Uh, when just on that kind of reputation procedure because it's just, <laughs> It just really is. Sense. You a sassy at, cat just in the back. It is, go, isn't it? It's
1: handbags at dawn. Yeah. It really
2: uh,
0: is. It's even like that that intro when they're talking to uh, to seven and nine and she uh and they go Riker says I'm really looking forward to meeting him she goes you may have to lower your expectations quite a lot. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I love this. Um, sound. Yeah, great.
2: They just because they basically set him up before you even meet him as a character you're going to yeah. hate. Yeah, and he does not disappoint. Exactly. Um, and that kind of leads me to my point because we brought it up a couple of times here, but there still seems to be a lot of xenophobia mm. uh, or Borg-phobia yeah. or uh, around the Borgs again. This was kind of a main topic in Season 1. It was, yeah. Um, we saw that Seven had kind of chose to kind of go back to Starfleet to mm. try and push through this at the end of Season 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just... just immediately you are... You are brought back to, oh, no, 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 they still hate them all. They still hate Borgs or X Borgs or X B's. Well, not hate, hate probably is a strong term, but there's definitely a phobia or xenophobia there because yeah. we see she introduces her card, tries to introduce her of seven and nine, and she goes, oh, it's Annika. Mm-hmm. And she gives her a human name. Yeah. Um, uh, and she said, uh, Captain Shaw prefers that.
0: Exactly. Exactly. He and tells then, me I can't use. Yes. Any other name, effectively, yeah. Uh, you're you're absolutely right. It's one of the, it's a, it's a nice little uh, background touch to it because, of course, racism and xenophobia don't just go away um, because people have been nice and that people have been saved. So just because um, seven of nine is a character that we all love. And had a great arc in season one and, and in season two. It doesn't mean it stretched out through everybody that hated all the ex Borgs throughout season one and season two. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, exactly. so to have a character here that is still holding on to those uh, to those issues he had in the past, again, adds a, an extra layer to this captain.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I, I thought it was just going to be a dropped line or two. But then again, when we do see at the, the table, as John was talking about, yeah. that kind of handbags at dawn, mm-hmm. he brings up Lacutius, he brings up the Borg again. Yeah. He brings up loyalty to the Borg, or ex-Borg, pointedly talking about Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I'm wondering if there's some form, if this is just a, this is how Seven or Annika kind of decides to continue further and help further on this season, because she's just going to renounce her post and that's it, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done with the xenophobia, done with the racism, yep. I'm just done with it. Um yeah. It, or maybe it's setting up more. Maybe it's setting up nothing. Maybe it's just so nice to have. Yeah.
0: Well, well, it is what pushes her over the edge to help uh, yes. Picard and Riker, right? Um. This, this. These well, we moments. assume,
2: yeah. like, based on how she talks about it in the in the room with Riker and Picard, yeah. and herself talking about how she wanted to lead with motivation and authority and yeah. kind of lead being herself and her authentic self, almost.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. You know, it's where. Worth- I like the fact that Seven and Nine knows something fishy is going on with these two uh, arriving. Mm-hmm. And it, it's almost, you know, it's confirmed over that dinner table where Picard slips up around the deep space mm-hmm. um, deep station space that uh, they're, they're going for mm-hmm. and that she then pulls them from their, their, their bunking, uh, I guess, uh, to the observation deck, just to be frank with them. Yeah. Um and then ultimately, well, she she's Frank or she's frank. she was seven. She, she's Frank of seven. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. To, you know, just to effectively disobey the orders of her commanding officer, mm. uh, Captain Shaw. Um, but I, I like that conversation that she has with Picard. You know, am, am I in the right place? Yeah. And, you know, I want to follow my gut, be like you two as leaders um not just following orders from someone she clearly doesn't like, yeah. uh, but Picard has this gut instinct that she's in the right place. Yeah. You know, that... Mm. Um, and that actually, if we knew whether you were in the... If anyone knew whether they were in the right place, you know, what's your secret to... You know, because I'd like to know that myself. It's exactly. kind of... Yeah. Uh, I, I just like that conversation. I yeah. guess it's almost... Career's advice in in the the Star Trek
0: uh, universe, yeah, you know, but it, but it's really difficult for Seven, you yeah. know, it, like she was encouraged to rejoin Starfleet because of Picard and a little nod here, a little mention of uh, her former captain Janeway, now Admiral Janeway, um, who has encouraged her to to go back, saying she needs to be in Starfleet. But um Annika was never in Starfleet at all before; she had been kidnapped as a child, turned into a Borg, and had lived as, her life as a Borg until Voyager saved her effectively so this is her first time under the real rules and restrictions of uh, the real starfleet let's say uh, because the team that she joined were made up of uh, an amalgam of uh, two warring factions the maquis and, and starfleet so she never really worked under starfleet and um, she had spent some time as a fenris uh, ranger yeah. uh, as we saw her last season so very much acting on instinct protecting people saving people making her choices and now she has to sit under a captain who intrinsically dislikes what she was in the past and doesn't trust people like her. So so you can see why she turns on, on them and helps out uh, Picard and, uh, and Riker, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and we may see other kind of ex-Borg pop up. Like, it may play a part of this greater story because, it again, this season is supposedly pulling a lot of core things from the past of kind of the next generation, one of the biggest being the Borg. It was played in season one. It played parts of season two. Yeah. I, I think it may. I don't think it would be a central point. I think it just mm. might be something in the background.
0: Yeah, I do wonder about this. Um, I have a feeling we're actually not going to see much more of uh, of that storyline. I wonder if what we're going to get is maybe the setup of the Titan as a new ship that could go on to... Uh, maybe a new series, a spinoff series from, uh, Star Trek Picard. Um, they seem to have set up a cast of characters here. They're, they all got an announcement of their casting. There's some uh, interesting characters aboard here, including, uh, one of La LaForge's daughters. So, um, so I wonder, will we see the Titan maybe get a spinoff in the future? And this is, maybe. this might be the only moment we'll see them. Um, yeah. probably not. I think, I think there's a, a moment at the end of this episode that tells you we may see them, um, coming back next episode to help out uh, Riker and Picard uh, as they're in their big predicament at the end.
2: But but really quickly you you could be on something because this does drop the Star Trek down to 4 series. Mhm. You've got Lower Deck, you've got the other kids one. Prodigy? Uh, yeah. Prodigy. You've got Discovery. Yeah. Coming back next season and Strange New Worlds. To- Strange New Worlds. Mhm. Um so this will leave a gap in their scheduling at the end of Picard.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Cuz that that will be gone. So there is a, a potential that they may do a new series of something or other.
0: Absolutely, there is that long rumored series that's supposed to be still uh in in production They're still ready to go uh, featuring Michelle Yeoh, but uh she is now um oscar nominated Michelle Yeoh so they may have missed their opportunity to uh, yeah. to do their spin-off series with her which would have been fantastic cuz she was great in in, uh, in Star Trek Discovery but uh, but yeah you never know they um, they I'm sure Paramount are uh, not uh, going to turn down a series uh, for Star Trek that might make them money so uh, so if if we see if we do get a spin-off of the Titan uh, that that would be quite interesting
2: It would make sense because mm-hmm. Strange New Worlds is past mm-hmm. Discovery is future. Yeah, uh, they need something in the current outside of the two. Uh, yeah, yes. Kind of outside of the animated shows.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly in the twenty fifth century. Yes, very cool. Uh, I I know we we don't podcast those other uh, Star Trek shows either though. But uh, did did you guys hear that uh, we will be getting a, a a live action crossover or maybe an animated crossover between uh, Star Trek Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds? That'd be no. cool. Yeah, that- coming coming up very soon.
2: Yeah, will Jack Quaid? Will Jack Quaid play himself?
0: See, nobody's really sure whether it's live action, and Jack Qua- Quaid will play himself on Strange New Worlds, or whether it's going to be animated, and all the cast of Strange New Worlds will be using their voices on uh, on uh, Lower Decks. So nobody's really sure they've announced the crossover between the two. Dang. I believe it's live action is my understanding. Oh
2: my but, God, that'd be amazing. But yeah, anyway. That'd be great. Uh,
0: good stuff though. Uh, yeah, it is, it is good to see uh, this story of the Borg in, uh, in the show and, and the story of seven and nine uh, in the show. Uh, good medium point, Chris. Um, for my, when I want to talk quickly about Laris or brady uh, again, uh, coming back for the third season of the show, um, Orla Brady we really enjoyed in the last two seasons of uh, Star Trek Picard, even though she was only kind of bookending the show in season two. Uh, she had a great part in season one. Um, and unfortunately, just saying goodbye to her at the beginning of this episode, we see that their relationship has continued. Um, all of season one was about uh, Picard overcoming that idea that uh, that he was going to be alone for the rest of his life and connecting with Laris and creating their relationship together, effectively. And they start off this season as the two of them about to leave and head off to, uh, to Romulus, to uh, one of the planet's Uh, around uh, that sector of the University of Chaltak 4 where he's going to be sitting down in a bar drinking wine uh, writing his memoirs waiting for uh, Laris while she goes off and explores the world and she realises as soon as this communication comes in from Beverly that um, Jean-Luc is going to have to once again uh, go off on another adventure because he can 't turn yeah. down this call from his past that 's this person that's clearly desperate and has reached out for him so um I, I really like those moments with the two of them. I like that uh Laris is calling out, well, this is who we are this is this is the people that we have chosen yeah. to be, so we yeah. can 't ignore calls like this. this is who we are
1: yeah i mean there's there's still hope for meeting at that bar at mm-hmm. the end of the world um you know yeah. uh once jean Luc has helped beverly out so yeah. Um, it's not that it's over; it's yeah, yeah. whether Jean-Luc makes it out alive from this new uh, adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really liked how Laris here, in a sense, just centered Picard, where she says, mm-hmm. "You know, as a former intelligence officer, she's clearly terrified and out of options, and is asking for only you, Jean-Luc, yeah, you and only you, um, to to help her, um, because it is, you know." It's an important point here we see with Beverly's transmission. It's using an old codex um, connected to uh, Jean-Luc's captain trans-
0: transmitter yeah. from back mm. in the day. Yeah, Lucky uh, it was in the same room as him, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like you'd, you'd expect- <laughs> lucky is it was all getting packed up, you
2: see. Lucky his hearing is still somewhat well, good.
0: absolutely. Oh, no, I know it was all being packed up, but you'd assume that you'd have a message forwarding system uh, on your old cam badge from twenty. 20- Two years ago. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> I'm assuming she hacked it. That actually, it's not. It doesn't okay. work as such anymore. Even though it's, it's got that latent activity in it because
0: yeah. I, I think I think she's just ringing his old mobile phone. Basically, that's well, left maybe. in a box yeah. and happens to have a, a permanent it could charge. Be that. It. yeah, so. it could be that. And
1: <laughs> yeah, so I just liked how she kind of centered him to focus him back and effectively convince him to to go ahead with it to some extent yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and you know with this promise to
0: to meet up at this lovely bar that's got a great sunset at the yeah. end and yeah. she also knows what she's getting herself into he says that yeah. he's going to go for just two days two days probably maybe less and she goes probably more <laughs> so she knows exactly who Jean Luc is uh, and is there to support him so uh, so yeah I, I just liked having a moment here with uh, with Orla Brady again and with uh, with Lara so, uh, and knowing that their relationship is sent again even though. It seems like he's going overboard. It seems like he's going to uh, get rid of all of his memorabilia, all of his past, all of his, uh, all of his historical uh, things that he's been w- looking at for the last number of years, li- reliving the glory days, um, because he doesn't want to be a person that just relives his glory days, right? So That is true. Uh, but, but she knows.
2: But look, even in the 25th century, Marie Kondo, does this bring joy? Mm-hmm still rings true. That's yeah. exactly. Does this exactly. bring joy? No, put it in the box. <laughs> but great. <laughs> exactly.
0: Dump yeah. it. But great. also to see that wonderful painting of uh, of the Enterprise. I believe that used to sit in um, in the Enterprise itself. I think it did, it's in the know. ready room. Yeah. Captain's ready room. Yeah. And he's going to send it off to Jordi. uh
1: Yes, he's who's now go. at a fleet museum. Mm-hmm. I feel like he won't be there for long. I think so too. I hope. <laughs> I hope we're going to see him
0: uh, later on in the season. <laughs> anyway, he was in the. Yeah. He was in the trailer. He, he was. He was. He has his own poster for the season, so hopefully we're going to see him uh, yes. later on in the season. I think there's no hope. That's
2: it. it. That's it. actually what him. we see. Yeah. We don't actually see him. We just see a poster. See a poster it's in him, the yeah. background <laughs> for the museum. <laughs> Our director is no longer here. Have you seen this man? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a poster. <laughs>
0: but at least we've seen one of his daughters already. So, uh, so likely we'll see actual Lord of the Forest itself in the future. Good stuff. That's my media moment, my Omega Directive. Let's get on to our Prime Directive, our big moment from the episode. We must face the ramifications of the Prime Directive. So, John, what's your big moment from uh, Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 1?
1: Well, I think just you a know, quick change in tack here. It is um, Raffi and mm-hmm. the Red Lady. Uh, I really enjoyed this introduction of Raffi. I'm really so glad that as one of the original casts from season 1 mm-hmm. and there in season 2 that she's still in this because I I absolutely love the character and I think Michelle Heard does a great role here. Yeah. Uh, I love how you thought she had sunk back into her substance abuse mm-hmm. from the first season uh, and I like just the, the, the switcheroo here. Um, that, you know, she's not a druggie, but she's, um, undercover for Starfleet's intelligence yeah. as, as an officer. Um, I like the intrigue that we've got here with her mysterious handler. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Um, who is it? Giving her that? the advice yeah. through, uh, the, the screen i really enjoyed that so i kind of just like that whole setup i like the whole kind of undercut that they did that she hasn't uh, descended back into um her substance abuse or mm-hmm. wallowing because nothing's worked out but she's taken uh this th- this role and um, i love the the look of metallis prime here almost felt star warsy uh, to yeah. an extent, with yeah. all the neon
0: um, uh, and a proper hive of scum and villainy, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that her story is her girlfriend has left her; mm. she's you know fallen off the wagon, um, and she's out of Starfleet, and she's looking to get information so that she can sell it or give it to Starfleet in order to sort of get good favor to come back in. So she gets this lead with her dealer um that something is going down with the red lady mm-hmm. and i then i just kind of liked how that kind of went along with um you know is it a person is it a buyer or a seller uh, is it an organization um and it's all linking in for um her her actual mission, which is looking for um, the the organization or the people who stole uh, an experimental weapon mm-hmm. uh, from Daystrom, uh, which we saw in the first season, we did, and yeah. um, you know that there is this kind of going through all the different data sets to try and find out, and then she hits on that it could be the Red Lady could actually be the target, and you get mm-hmm. then this fantastic sort of last-ditch attempt to try and prevent this imminent attack that's suspected using this new experimental weapon, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a portal. It looks like it comes from the video game portal. Yes. Um, so it's just on a bigger scale. So, uh, Except which...
2: ones, they rather than one being orange and one being blue, they're both orange. Yes, mm-hmm. they're
1: both orange. <laughs> and effectively, they portal an entire Starfleet fleet and federation building uh, in district 7 of Metallus prime mm-hmm. uh, to drop itself on the city um which i thought was really cool it looked really cool yeah um i liked how this was done i mean that's that's a weapon i guess yeah, uh, okay. to be able to do that um and the that red was on, lady that was ultimately prime, was it? Hmm? that was on Metallus prime yeah was it? i i well oh, that's okay. what i'm assuming right. because She's there yeah. doing the undercover work, and ultimately she's talking about District 7. Right. Like, right. we've not seen her go off-world or or, mm. or um, go at warp anywhere else. Yes. So I'm yes. just assuming it's still on the Talos Prime. Right. Um, and this red lady is actually the target. It's the statue of Rachel Garrett outside of this Federation outpost mm. Um, on Metallus Prime and yes. there is a dedication ceremony to her The, mean, mm-hmm. the other side of it in, in this episode is you know there are these celebrations for Frontier Day coming up as well mm-hmm. so potentially another attack here and this will be how um, it intersects uh, with raffi connecting back in with Jean luke uh, yeah. and and seven
0: of nine even yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely i hope that cover story that uh that they broke up um is literally the cover story that she has that we have we haven't uh lost that relationship between uh raffi and uh and seven yeah, yeah me too
2: deep undercover for months yeah yeah you can assume maybe maybe it's strained at least.
0: Or, or Annika knows, you know, yeah. at, the, at the end of the day, um, she's gone off to go into Starfleet, so she's been massively busy herself. So, yeah. um, they may have just, uh, decided that, uh, their relationship's fine if they, it's a long distance relationship now.
2: <laughs> a long distance, long time relationship. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah.
0: So, there. that's my, my big
1: point. It's just this mm-hmm. other side of it. it. It's coming back to this weapon. Is it connected with the whole, um, distress call from Mm -hmm. beverly is that part of it and you know the and how how does that link in so it it was kind of nice to see these big action moments as well i mean i really like that i mean i think like you saying chris about you know the worlds and the cities and the the ships and the visuals Mm -hmm. i think i think the last season you kind of got that at at the start and at the end and everything else in between was 2022 L.A., mm-hmm. which,
2: yeah.
1: you know, is fine. But these vistas, these mm-hmm. worlds, um, this these big, jaw-dropping, massive weaponry action scenes is, is just really, really good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like that portal. Yeah. Portal being used as a weapon. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a cool one.
2: To your question of will this kind of... Tie everything together. Will it bring the characters together? Is it all connected? I'm gonna take a swing and say yes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree. Um, think it is a a weapon of unknown capability, be a research facility, and it is basically a portal gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's it's terroristic. It's good. I look for me. It was. I like the 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 bait and switch from the narrative perspective that they give us in this mm-hmm. episode because again it's been a couple of months we know that from the last uh from last season to now and then actually beyond i like that they set up this they set up the struggle in Rafi on the substance abuse again
0: yeah that
2: she's like you don't know how hard this is for me to being this deep cover being back here down here with this stuff
0: Yes, yes. You kind of assume that you wouldn't put an ex-junkie um, in undercover. Um, but Beside drugs. Uh, beside drugs or as a junkie. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a difficult thing. Um, yeah to to uh, get over, so um, why would you put them back in there? But again, she knows all the moves and knows all the things to say, so she 's probably the exact right person. but if you are going to put them in, putting them deep undercover for four months is a very, very difficult situation to be in well so, and yeah.
1: yeah and I mean to that point with the bait and switch of rafi 's story as mm-hmm. well it's there is just that nice moment once she you know does the com link as the Intel officer going back um, mm-hmm. and re- relaying the info. It, it's just her, it's a really just good scene of her looking at the substance that she's just, um, being dealed by her dealer. Mm-hmm. Um, and having that two seconds thought before yeah. dropping it on the floor. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, it just, that reminder, it's just a nice little touch that,
0: um, they did here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, agree. Yeah. And her handker also reminds her of her, uh, of her past as well. So, uh, when showing, that she had previously been dishonorably discharged that had some uh, some major issues at Starfleet and uh, they know all about them of course so uh, we don't know at all who this handler is but uh, I suspect it's someone that we may know Uh, yeah yeah probably Yeah, could be Wolf I was trying to take some um some inspiration from the words that were being said by the computer, uh, the female voice computer, and whether it could be a character that we know from the past, but didn't get too much from it. It was just that um, saying it was an act of war and you're a warrior made me think of, Klingons made me think of Worf, so yeah. I was wondering if uh, Worf could be your handler. Yeah, it would Possibly. make sense.
2: Security yeah. officer goes into intelligence. Yes,
0: be an interesting one. Be an interesting one. And uh, that's your major moment for the episode, John. Yep, it certainly is. Good stuff. How about yourself, Chris? What's your major moment that you want to talk about from the episode?
2: Oh, John took it. I nothing for me to discuss. It. There's nothing <laughs> yeah, more. Right. <laughs> um, I'll look. I'll, I'll I'll do the cold open. Mm-hmm. I'll take the cold open and Bev on the run. Yeah um like it 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 was fun
0: I'm singing it, the Beatles here Bev on the run instead of band on the run I'm, I'm uh, the oh. Yeah, I didn't know what that meant for a second
2: you're so you're so learned and wise mm, the Beatles yeah. yes <laughs> old Old, exactly Chris. exactly really for me it was just it was a nice cold open mm-hmm. it, it gave me enough curiosity against all the bits like from the the, the slow pan over all, kind of the ship, mm-hmm. um, to the the log paying in the background, mm-hmm. to just then kind of locking someone into one of the the forward hold or the 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 aft deck or something mm-hmm. to a room, um, and then just seeing Beverly or like Crusher in a more militaristic kind of fighting, yeah. like guns guns akimbo style, mm-hmm. uh, and getting getting hurt and it like it it leaves you it left you with way more questions which is what you want from that level of an open yeah. right. it's like here's a character that you've known and loved for like what like hundred and thirty plus episodes of a show mm-hmm. um grown up some some people watching this have grown up with this character yeah. and you're gonna put her in a place that she's not supposed to be yeah you're gonna basically throw in some enough nostalgia in the kind of foreground and background that you're like, ooh, ooh, why why is this happening? Yeah. yeah. Some aliens you've never seen mm-hmm. sprinkled on top. Yeah. Um a doctor <laughs> disintegrating people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Twice. This is not. Hippocratic
0: uh, oath
1: that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, literally, as she
2: stands over one of them and like, like Mm -hmm. basically does a shot between the eyes, standing over one of them that's already hurt. Yes. This is not Er
0: phaser set to stun here at all, is it? Not at all. The
1: thing I liked about that was as well when Riker and Jean-Luc come aboard Mm -hmm. and effectively run through forensically kind of that whole scene it's, at the start, sort of examining it. So, you know...
0: Um, CSI Starfleet.
1: The, this kind of ash from the the, the species, never seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a direct shot down, like you were talking about. It's cold, calculated. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, friendly. Picard saying, Beverly would only do that in defense, which, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately it well, was. So I just loved how that kind of mirrored their walkthrough as they board on um, the Elios as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it was just culminating in that ending of, oh, wait, is she dead? Like, have you just... Have you... I know, probably part of me...
0: You knew she wasn't dead. I knew she wasn't.
2: (laughs) There's still that small sliver of... I say hope, that sounds terrible, right? (laughs) But in that... There's been some shows that we've watched where they're really bold, like, yeah. narratively. Yeah. Where they're like, hey, you love this character for, boom, they're dead. Mm. Oh, they're, oh, no, it's okay, they're yeah. back. No, they're dead. Yeah. Like, you, that's it. You've said your goodbye. Um, like, because part of me for a second did think it was going to cold open, and then we would get some form of funeral. Right, okay. And then that's the kid jump off point. Yeah. What was she doing here? Blah blah blah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, ah. et cetera. Um that's part of like part of me, and I was like, that's a bold choice. Right. I'm so um, glad
0: they didn't do it. Um I'm no. really glad the Gates McFadden is back. Uh one of my favourite members of cast from uh, from Star Trek Next Generation, and the only member of the cast I've actually met in person, and she's absolutely lovely. Um, really, really lovely lady. Um so I met her back in the nineties. So um yeah. Absolutely lovely. So great to have her back here, and I'm sure we're going to have some great moments throughout the season as, as other members of the cast come back. But um, I, I just couldn't believe at all that they would uh, that they would take her out at the start of the season. I could see them, you know, getting Edson number five from uh, from season three of of uh, Next Generation coming back, and maybe they might be killed. But um, but as this is the reunion series, you cannot keep uh, Doctor Beverly Crusher separated from the rest of the cast. If everybody else is coming back, you can't have her not appear on screen with at least one member of the team so uh so we do have that moment that obviously Picard comes on board and sees Beverly uh, and reveals that she is still there and has been kept alive in the uh, in the stasis chamber um from her injuries so uh so yes so I, I feel like she's going to form a much bigger part of the story uh, given the other revelation
2: yeah the one of the big things is that she disappeared 20 years ago mm-hmm. she basically cut all ties and essentially just left yes um, yeah. yeah. And as that progresses throughout the episode, you're like, you do have a lot of questions. Definitely. That they, I thought for potentially, like, because of what uh, Laris has said at the beginning about Crusher, you're like, oh, okay. Picard was Picard. He was extra Picard and <laughs> basically drove her away. Okay. <laughs> um, And I was like, no, okay. That's going to be a tough storyline to kind of fully rack through. But mm-hmm. sure. Okay. Give us that. And then it's only when Riker confirms as well, like she cut off ties with everyone, mm-hmm. supposedly. Um, so when we've got to find out now, like is she still in contact with kind of LaForge Was she ever still in contact with Worf mm-hmm. and all the other major? Did she still speak to her son? Who knows? Um, it's going to be interesting to see.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And we can assume... That essentially, that 20-year gap was due to a 20-something-year-old son Mm. Mm. who is revealed at the end.
0: Yes. Uh, That is an interesting reveal, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. She has another son. Mm -hmm.
2: Picard's son? are Are we putting in money on this?
0: maybe it's just that weird line from laris that says um you did try to have a relationship with her and uh picard says well i tried or try is the operative word it sounds like they never actually got together at all that's what it sounds like and that's one of the most interesting things about this story that they have here where they're saying that um crusher disappeared for 20 years because i know there's books and comic books that have Dealt with time after the end of the next generation. I'm sure Beverly Crusher was involved with in them. So effectively, they just thrown all those at the window and gone. nope she never had any connection with anybody else from uh, from the crew of the Enterprise, um, so that they can set up this story, which is the real, I suppose, in universe story of what happened to her. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, and Picard, there was a whole storyline in Next Generation where Picard had a son, and it turned out it was a fake, and it was a kind of it was a Frangi thing. Mm. Um and I think it was Frankie's or the Robin- it was one of the the bad aliens, right? <laughs> by a bit, but essentially they wanted Picard to know what it was like to lose a son, mm. so they changed the kid's DNA, mm-hmm. who kind of looked like Patrick Stewart or Jean Luc Picard, changed his DNA to be bold basically. Really <laughs> bald and young, and uh, to be essentially Picard, mm. uh, or the the son of Picard, and that's what killed the kid, right? Or what nearly killed the kid, um. So he hasn't in universe technically. Picard is without children, yeah. sans yeah. children, if you will. Exactly. You just has uh, his nephews, right? Yeah. yeah. So this could be interesting. Mm-hmm. This could set like again. I know we're jumping a mile, but like I think then that does set it up for something unique in that. Well, he can still go on and have time with Lars. Yeah. But his his time on the Enterprise is move, has moved forward because is basically they sired. The next generation. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> the name and, of the episode. It's the of the episode,
0: absolutely. Yes. Uh, it does have echoes of the Captain Kirk storyline from Star Trek 3, yeah. that the uh, uh, former girlfriend disappeared and turns out she has a son and uh, and he's the one that Kirk now has to care for. Um, I also got some shades in the episode of Star Trek 3 from the fact that they're gathering the old crew back together who no longer yeah. have ships. They're gathering them back together to go on this one mission together. That's kind of the season, but that is... Star Trek, it will echo back to uh, to its previous shows and movies. You know, of course, when you've done hundreds of episodes of TV, you have explored a lot of the stories, but uh, re-exploring them with uh, bigger budgets and uh, in a different way is is always going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, so I am really excited about how the story will play out for the season.
1: I did like as well how just Beverly's son just adds a little bit more context as well to that cold opening where he says, you know, we're being hunted or we've mm. been hunted. Each time it's a different face a mm-hmm. different species and a, a, a new ship which I thought was kind yeah, really of interesting with the arrival of the new ship um big spiky war, ship, big yeah. spiky ship mm. which kind of reminded me a bit of Praetor Shinzon's uh ship. Ah, Tom Hardy the, Tom cl- Hardy. the clone
0: of, uh, of
1: Patrick Stewart. Yeah, and um, <laughs> it kind of looked a bit like that with the spiky things coming
0: coming out mm. then Oh, that Star Trek Insurrection wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think so. So I thought that was just kind of a a nice little bit of quick information that we got here so yeah. we probably won't see those clicker uh type species that came in uh, that Beverly shot and disintegrated effectively. Yeah. They were kind of that they the their language
0: Thanks. was kind of in clicks. Oh, right, right. I just thought you were flashing back to The Last of Us again. Well, it could second. be that. Uh, <laughs> everything is clicking at the moment. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it'll be really intriguing to see uh, who, how these villains play out for the rest of the series. I like the idea that, uh, that they have changed their face and chip every time. So are they all different? Is this a uh, whole group of people formed from loads of different races? Or is this, uh, is this some trick that they're playing? Um, we don't know at all. We no. don't get enough information at all.
1: Oh, what are what are they hunting that's in Elios well, yeah. uh, in the Elios ship
0: mm. you yeah. would you would presume it's Beverly's son right? It has to be something yeah. about yes. that because they've been on the run for twenty years um, yeah, and he mentions how many systems they've gone through and how and how they keep finding them so uh he obviously' got a tracker inside them that, that they keep following uh, I haven't thought about that yet, but maybe that's why I'm being followed everywhere
2: <laughs> do you think it could have something to do with Wesley, Wesley, Wesley Crusher being a traveler, i.e., that all the Crushers, are have some form of power, have some ability to be these travelers throughout time and space and everything. That sounds and very
0: science fiction-y. Um, yeah, exactly. So it could saying. be it. Could be, yeah. Um, you
2: never know. <laughs> but also, this new this new son that we just meet, mm-hmm. his accent. Is so British. Yes, it is. Like it was like what now?
0: <laughs> Are you just trying to tell us that it's Picard's son and that's why he has a British accent, even though he's been living with his American mom aboard yeah, for exactly. the ship for well, twenty years? That is true. That or is, true. is there another reason? Yes. <laughs> yes. But it was
2: just I was listening and I was even the manner the not even the manners the the, 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 the choice of words and how he says it. Uh-huh. Yes. The, the, it was the, just like Oh boy! Yeah, I was, okay, I was waiting right. to
0: see if he was offering anybody a cup of tea and some biscuits. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Well, <laughs> great, tepid. But before we do that,
0: well, that's
1: it. But I guess country boundaries are kind of gone from the federation a mm. bit, not entirely. Because well, Laris has an Irish accent, so yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> in this galaxy, everybody can have but whatever. I was just they meaning want. on yeah. Earth. I know True. there is Chateau Picard, but it's mm. in L.A. effectively yeah. now. It's not. <laughs> it's not at the ancestral
0: home hmm. back in France. But that's like Disney World and Disneyland, isn't it? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. anyway, yes, uh, quite a big moment uh, in this episode with uh, with Beverly Crusher. Uh, we've kind of talked about the other big moment for the episode because that is uh, obviously Jean-Luc and uh, and um, Will getting back together and travelling together and, and the whole excitement of it. But I just wanted to call out really quickly that it does seem like everybody's getting court-martialed. Uh, we, we didn't really mention <laughs> it, but, you know, the... the Seven of Nine, Annika is number one commander on this ship to a captain that she's just overturned his orders. He's, um, effectively knows what they're doing and Admiral Picard and, and, um, Riker could also lose their commission. Admiral Picard calls that out on the way to them. If yeah. they mess up this whole plan of theirs, the, Will could lose everything that he's built effectively and his entire reputation. Hmm. He's probably beyond losing his reputation. He is Admiral Picard. He's done stuff like this in the past, and he is retired uh, with that Admiral uh, credit. But it looks like everybody could be court-martialed for, uh, for going through with this plan to save Beverly Crusher.
1: It does yeah. look like that. Because, yeah. I mean, even Shaw finding out and giving Seven of Nine a tough time. Yes. I want all
0: the details mm-hmm. in a report, yeah. you know, now, yeah. effectively. Yeah. So uh, so I I presume she's not going to be in Starfleet for much longer and may join up with uh, yeah. with the newly formed crew of whatever ship. But they, who uh, knows?
1: Even now. as rogues, uh, they could save the Federation, they could in which saved. case yeah. they become heroes. I mean, it is That's that point, isn't it, of Shaw's conversation around the dinner table, mm-hmm. you know, I'm structured. Um, I have meticulously organized this ship. I don't just go off and do random stuff, blowing up things. That's not my style. It is kind of like your old school. Yes. This is how Starfleet does it now. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's it's that kind of clash of cultures, like you see with you know with the reboot of the Star Trek f- films mm-hmm. with. You know, Captain Kirk, and it's just—it is the whole point of going with my gut from seven of nine, and compared to the more military type way of of following orders and everything is
0: disciplined, structured. You know, exactly, exactly. So, uh, but there will be some disciplining, and I would uh, say some restructuring of this group. I think uh, after these, uh, after they've done this, uh, this plan. I would yeah. say so.
2: Starfeet is basically going to be Oprah Winfrey. You get a court martial. Line, you, exactly. get a court martial line, you get a court martial. You get a court martial. Everyone gets a court martial.
0: Exactly. If they can catch them. If they can catch yes, them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but that's it. That's our. That's my uh, major moment. My prime directive for the episode. Uh, a couple of little Easter eggs and notes uh, for the episode. Any, any other? Uh, any other things to mention? Uh, one that I wanted to call out was just uh, interesting conversation from uh, Riker uh, mentioning that apparently Deanna and his daughter Kestra. Um, could do it some time without him? What's he been doing at home? That that's uh, annoying the two of them uh, so much that they'd be willing to have him go off on an adventure with playing again. jazz, I Probably guess. Probably playing jazz. <laughs> yeah, I guess
1: just it. leave <laughs> us alone yeah. for a week or so. Go and see Jean-Luc and stop <laughs> playing that jazz. Exactly. You
0: know. Yeah. I, I was also intrigued by the um codec that Beverly Crusher put on this message that she sent to John Luke, because when you find out that actually he could never have cracked that code. Because the codec itself was given was put onto the Enterprise at a time when he was Lecter's of Borg, so he would have no memory of it. Yet she tells him not to reach out to anybody else at all or Starfleet, anybody in the Federation. Don't get any help. Here you go. Here's an unbreakable code that was on uh, on the ship while you were Lecter's of Borg.
1: But but <laughs> that no that was the Helbert, wasn't it? Yeah, that was around Helbert.
0: Was the myriad
1: codex
0: was only unlockable using the yes. halberd code yeah, okay. which That's it. he wouldn't have had access yeah. to no i i so really enjoyed that. to reach out yeah. to, to uh to will Riker or at least another member of the crew that was there at that yeah. time so i, I really enjoyed yeah. that bit as well and effectively how they
1: are able to determine she's in the writing system mm-hmm. um yeah I, I like that
0: little adding three moment. points. yeah yeah, yeah. good it's stuff a good touch uh, any other uh, any other points or notes from you guys any shregs that you noticed
1: not easter eggs but i should say i think i call it daystrom laboratories but i think it is the daystrom institute as a as an organization yes it is. um so yeah i guess the institute though does have laboratories
0: i guess they do i guess they do so not not too far off no. not, not too far <laughs> off if you are looking for easter eggs they have done the traditional um star trek picard thing where they've uh, put together a room where the camera pans slowly over tons and tons of easter eggs this time of course in uh, beverly crusher ship uh we have a loads and loads of items that are uh, memorabilia from star trek next generation uh we see her her um former husband's uh Medi- medikit bag um we see the all the obviously data logs but we see a number of other things in that room so uh we asked for it last season when they did that in uh, in picard where we had a room full of weapons from uh, from all of the uh creatures that picard had killed uh in, in season two. And we never got it. We never got a, a a behind the scenes look at what at everything in that room. I hope they do it for uh, for this season for Beverly Crusher's room because uh loads of great little dents and bobs in yeah. that room. Yeah.
2: Yes, and if not, don't forget just to send it into feedback at TVPodcastIndustries dot com with your list of breakdown of everything and every word because we. We don't, I don't
0: know. <laughs> well, we, we, there's definitely ones that we missed, without a, doubt, yes. without a doubt. Well, that's it for our discussion about Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 1. Overall, what do you think of the episode, John? Um, yeah,
1: I really like this episode. I thought mm-hmm. it was a great opener. Um, I give it four disrespectful dinners out of five. Nice. Um, I loved the dinner with Shaw. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it it gave me sucker i guess um i liked the just the irreverence that he has towards will and jean luc yep. i really enjoyed the that opening with beverly crusher and and the end have bookended this this um this episode mm-hmm. with the the red lady and with raffy i just liked you know, seemingly unconnected, but ultimately there's going to be something that leads back here and the peppering of uh, intrigue around this weapon and the little dropping of references and how the other members of uh, Jean-Luc's crew back in the day uh, may be mm-hmm. sort of inserting themselves into this this mission. So I really, really enjoyed um, coming back here and having this, this opener, which I just thought it was just really good good setup yeah um good bit of action as well mm-hmm. and um yeah looking forward to to the next episode now
0: excellent excellent happy yourself chris any uh, any final thoughts on the episode
2: yeah i i i'm i'm quite positive on this episode mm-hmm. overall i went in with hesitation mm-hmm. uh and, and watching this episode and watching kind of the rest of the season because i was pretty burned on season two. Yeah. Um so I feel this is setting up something that I want to watch. Mm-hmm. There was enough mystery, there was a cold open with that definitely piqued my interest. Yeah. There's enough kind of as I talked about, the sweeping vistas, the, the kind of the, the, the look and feel of the Star Trek sci-fi universe is there. Yeah. Sprinkling in with that more aged, mature, fine wine, um, essential kind of um, that we got in some, we started to see you shine through in season one of a card. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm positive. I'm I'm very much looking forward to episode two, and I'm praying that it, it continues this trend. Yeah, yeah. Um, essentially, and I, I I can't. There's not. There's no inkling right now that I'm like, oh, oh no, right. oh, why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah, um, everything. I'm assuming, has very much a reason right now Mm -hmm. uh, and is leading us somewhere. So overall, very positive on it. But Derek, what about yourself?
0: Yeah, good premiere for the the third season. Um, They promised a lot with this season and it started about a week before the last season ended and it felt like they were going, you've been waiting for this, it's coming, it's on its way and to set it up the way they have, give a little bit of time between uh, Riker and Picard as well is a good way to start the episode, bringing back... Dr. Beverly Crusher giving her a big action moment and some really good in- intrigue in what's happening with her. I thought that was great. Uh, and yeah, really looking forward to the season. I'm really hoping they can uh, they can nail it and uh, put a great capper on the story, this three-season arc of, uh, of Star Trek Picard. Uh, so yes, looking forward to the rest of the season. This was a, a great opener for me. Really enjoyed it. I think it's time to go over and get some Romulan ale, though. Uh, over to 10 forward for our Season 3 pub quiz. Um, John?
1: Yes, fellow Trekkies, fellow quizzers, welcome back to 10 forward for this season's pub quiz Mm -hmm. uh, on Star Trek Picard. We have question one from this episode. What was the name of the whiskey that Will Riker and Jean-Luc Picard
0: shared in the bar? Very good. If you're ever trying to predict what questions John's going to have on an episode, if you see a bottle of drink uh, of some some (laughs) form in the episode, it's possible that will be the thing that he'll be looking for. (laughs) John, (laughs) do you want to give us that question again?
1: Yes, the question for this episode, what was the name of the whiskey that Will Riker
0: and Jean-Luc Picard shared in the bar? Very good, very good. Yes, and there will be a question for each episode of Star Trek Picard. Put together your answers for those questions. Email us with them at the end of the season to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and you could be in with your chance of getting your hands on some Star Trek Picard goodies. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Good luck, everyone. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you stay subscribed to the podcast. You can subscribe to us at tvpodcastindustries.com. And of course, if you want to send us any thoughts, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries and share your thoughts about the episodes there.
2: Yes, and although the Star Trek universe doesn't have credits or anything they do have dilithium ore so if you want to donate some dilithium ore on an ongoing monthly cadence you can do it by heading on over to patreon.com slash tv podcast industries where you can give us any amount that you choose on an ongoing basis and it will be an amazing subscription helps us keep the lights on the engines running and the spaceship going in boldly where no one has gone before nice But if you want to keep our pilot at the console longer, you can buy him a coffee by heading to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI, where you can keep Derek editing away to the wee hours with just a wee coffee.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As as we mentioned on our other podcast, we have three shows going on at the moment. We're podcasting about uh, The Last of Us, uh, which comes out each week on HBO Max and and, uh, Sky Atlantic and Net TV. uh, We're podcasting about Star Wars. The Bad Batch, which comes out every week on Disney+. And now, of course, adding to that group with Star Trek Picard Season 3 as well. So lots and lots of recording and lots and lots of editing at the moment.
1: Absolutely. And, of course, we're in the Star Trek universe with the Federation. So, of Mm -hmm. course, you can also support us by subscribing and sharing the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. Because... Sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing the, the logic. love.
2: Oh, wait! I thought we were going Vulcan on this. Well, we could go logic <laughs> as well, or
1: intergalactic love, I guess. Yeah. The, oh, we're
2: yeah. going Kirk on it. <laughs> yeah, we do a Kirk exactly
1: Uh, but we'll be back next week with star trek picard season three episode two disengage Mm -hmm. your feedback as well is really welcome for the show any comments theories or observations from
0: each episode during this season yeah absolutely and of course we'll have the next question in our 10 for pub quiz so make sure you join us on that podcast thanks so much for joining us talk to you again next time
2: yes thank you so much and we will speak to you soon
0: Yes, great stuff, fellow
1: Trekkies. Uh, it's great to have you back. In the meantime, before next week, remember keep watching, keep listening, and keep trekking. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.